This podcast is made possible because of generous supporters. If you would like to help this ministry continue to make this podcast, you can sign up to become a Patreon supporter. You would have options to unlock bonus interviews, be a part of exclusive live stream events, even be a part of an LTN book club. It's really easy to join. Just go to patreon.com slash love thy neighborhood. We'd love to have you with us as we explore discipleship and missions in our modern times. Again, go to patreon.com slash love thy neighborhood and sign up today. There is no resolution to two angry bulls clashing their horns together. It has to end with people removing themselves from the situation and coming back and talking about it at a later time. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God and everyone else. From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the Cast. Welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram, and today we are still in the heart triad talking about type threes and conflict. So, just a reminder type threes, when they're healthy, these folks are efficient, they're optimistic, they're personable, they're competent, they're energetic, and they're kind of just natural leaders. Mm-hmm. Right. But when they're unhealthy, they become opportunistic vain or superficial, very impatient, deceptive, um, competitive in a workaholic sort of way, yeah. and unfeeling. Yeah, yeah. Now, conflict, you know, we're doing this series on conflict. Conflict can come from a thousand different directions. Every relationship that we encounter has conflict. But James chapter 4 actually tells us a lot of our conflict comes from our own warring desires. And what is the desire of a three? The three has a core desire to be valuable, their mere existence, to be something that brings, you know, value and contribution and other people say, yeah, you're worth something. Mm -hmm. But the way that so often the three approaches obtaining that value or retaining that value is through achieving. Mm -hmm. So they become socially competent. They stay really busy. They're always moving forward Mm -hmm. onto the next goal and they curate this image, you know, in their personal life, in their public life, to be as appealing as possible. I say that they are curated for maximum adoration. Wow. Yes, they're always thinking of life through the lens of the audience. Yeah. Like, what does the audience think? Yep. And then other types are like, who's the audience? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because being adored and being treasured Mm. feel like the same thing for the three. almost enough. Yeah. If I'm adored, it's almost enough, but then I need more and more and more of it because it actually isn't the real deal. Yeah. So for a three, conflict is naturally going to rise when their image is threatened or when they face failure. Yeah. They're not going to receive the glory and adoration that they want if they're failing. Right. People are not going to admire them if they're failing. Right. Right. If you go back to episode number 64 with Nate Bebout, we talked about the fighting words for a three. And if you want to activate a three... Look at them and say, you know, you're just really not working very hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're kind of a failure. You kind of just haven't really made the cut. Right. That That's really going to mess up a three big time. Right. So when conflict does happen, what do we do? Now, we've we've all tried our different approaches. We've all tried these, like, broken ways of dealing with conflict. Our vision as Christians is actually to take on Jesus's view of conflict. And we talked about this back in episode number 65. Healthy conflict is good. Healthy conflict is transformative, and healthy conflict is an opportunity to love. If you think about any story that you love, it's a character that goes through conflict and is transformed by it. So with this in mind, let's take a look at two things. The first thing, uh, let's talk about how a type three approaches conflict. And then second, let's look at how a type three resolves conflict. So first question, how does a type three tend to approach conflict? 
Right. So we're looking at their social style, which is part of Rizzo and Hudson's teaching. And the three is part of the assertive triad. The assertive types are three, seven, and eight. So these are all of our kind of aggressive types. They want the go-getters. They are. They've got high energy, big desires. You don't have to guess what they think. Yes. So they are very involved. They're very forward moving. They want to meet life head on and they do not withdraw. So yeah. they often take charge. They make things happen. Mm-hmm. And so for the three, you know, this shows up a lot in social situations, working hard and adapting to whatever that particular environment calls for mm-hmm. in order for them to get the outcome that they want. So threes are probably the most adaptable of any of the types mm-hmm. within the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to conflict, a three is going to typically know exactly what they want, what their goal is, and they're not going to be afraid to initiate to go after that goal. Right. But the problem comes when the three is so assertive that they ignore the viewpoints of others. And that is costly to the solution. Yeah. So that might even look like a three or any of the assertive numbers completely ignoring that there even is a conflict Mm -hmm. and just keep on pushing forward. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the finish line and everybody's kind of got bumps and bruises and hurt feelings. Mm -hmm. And the three's like, well, but we did it, guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's not really a healthy way to move in the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can think of even a time where, you know, you help oversee the program here at LTN and Mm -hmm. like, you know, you and other program team have had to sit down even with me and be like, hey, listen, we know you don't want too many details, (laughs) but you have to have more details than this. You can't Mm -hmm. just make a call and not be informed about the whole picture. And so that's like the classic three, mm-hmm. you know, energy tendency. Now, the gift is that threes can see and take advantage of opportunities that other people may miss. Mm-hmm. So a three can go, oh, my gosh, we have this window. It's only open for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. This is our moment. Let's seize this moment and seize this opportunity in ways that can really be great and forward thinking. Yeah. Okay. So here's a true confession I have for you, Jesse. Okay. In the past, I have really struggled with the assertive types because of that gift that you just mentioned, that they see an opportunity and they just take it. Yeah. Whereas in my history, I've kind of struggled with waiting for someone to say, Lindsay, why don't you take this? Mm. And so I will wait and wait, knowing that the opportunity is there, knowing that I am gifted in a way that I could step into it, but not taking it. Yeah. But then one of our guests recently called me out that maybe I had more assertiveness in me than Mm -hmm. I was allowing, Mm -hmm. like that I was kind of, you know, unconsciously repressing that part of me. And just in the last few months, it is amazing how much my resentment has turned into admiration Mm. because I look at that and I think, okay, I need to learn how to do that you know, appropriately. Yeah. Not where I'm running over everybody, but where I can say, hey, I can do that. Yeah. I want to do that. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Yeah. You know, and it's, so you're reading that. I was really, I was proud of myself because yeah. I was like, that is a gift. That's right. That is such a gift that they bring. Whereas before I was like, yeah, yeah, they take everything. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to wait for permission for everything. No. You, you know, can... sometimes you can say, I would like to do this thing. Yeah. Okay, so those are some of the ways that a three approaches conflict. Let's look at how a three resolves conflict. So the preferred way a type three resolves conflict is through their conflict resolution style. Now, this comes from Rizzo and Hudson as well. And for a three, their resolution style is competency. They share this along with both ones and fives. They want to solve problems using their objectivity. So when they're in conflict, the three's first instinct is to use logic and analysis to discuss and solve the presenting challenge. So that doesn't mean that they don't have emotion, but they are more likely to set it aside. Yes. When they're in the conflict. Like, that's not the most relevant part. Let's look at this logically. Yes. So the gift of that approach is that when the three is in conflict, they will keep the focus on the problem and they will quickly identify and implement solutions for the conflict. So they're not going to get all muddled up with everybody crying and being upset. They're going to want to strategically just move forward. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, the challenge, though, can be that feelings and, you know, viewpoints can Mm -hmm. end up being ignored 
or even run over for the sake of the solution. Right. So this is sort of a double whammy for the threes because they are tempted to avoid those feelings in both their social style and in their conflict resolution style. Right. So they're going to really have to be intentional about slowing down and opening themselves up to the people that they're in conflict with. Right, right. So competency types benefit from having teammates bring in the broader picture and the appropriate emotional weight that any decision carries Mm -hmm. by describing it in a solution-oriented manner. You know, hey, have you thought through the fact that if we do this, this is what's probably going to happen to this person? Or, you know, if you make this decision, this is how so-and-so is probably going to react. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we can't just be purely pragmatic on Mm -hmm. this decision. We need to understand the relational consequences here. Right. And Jesse, you're going to like this next point because... I have heard you say this so many times that when you engage in a conflict with a three, you know, you're bringing up a problem, like something negative. Yeah. They don't want you to just come and discuss the negative thing. They want you to bring a solution. And I feel like you say that all the time. You're like, bring me the problem, but bring me three solutions to go with it. Absolutely. That is going to be really how they're able to move forward. And also, I mean, all types like this, but really you can reiterate their worth as who they are and not what they do as you're moving through conflict. Don't focus on, oh, you're just, you know, you did this and you did that. But, you know, we really appreciate who you are and, you know, your presence on the team. Yes. Yes, for sure. Okay, so that is a three's preferred way to resolve conflict. But let's talk about some ways that they can grow in resolving conflict. And the origin of the place where they are going to grow the best, grow the most and experience the most transformation is going to come out of the gospel. And the gospel reminder for the three is this. If a three's desire is to be valuable, God responds to them with the healing message that you are loved and valued for simply being you. I love your unedited self, not your performance. So we want to avoid falling into our deadly sin. For the three, that's going to be deceit. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're fooling themselves and others that they are this persona. Yeah, they over-identify with their achievements and with mm-hmm. the role that they're performing. Mm-hmm. So they will need to exercise the virtue of truthfulness. Yeah. And again, with themselves and with others. Yep. So we want to look at how we can practice that. A great first step is just listening. Yeah. Listening to other people's viewpoints. And that might include their emotional response their feelings, their thoughts. They might ramble. Mm -hmm. You know, they might come with more problems than solutions, but Mm -hmm. just slowing down enough to listen. Mm -hmm. And be honest about your own feelings and desires and how that contributes to or even informs the conflict. Mm -hmm. I think there's a real sense where the three has to do the work of going, I'm not going to attempt any kind of PR campaign in this dialogue. Like, I'm not going to worry about what it might look like to others. I'm not going to worry about Mm -hmm. what this person really thinks of me. I'm going to allow just the truth uh, for both of us to sit in this room with us and for us to be okay with that. Right. And then lastly, just take ownership of your part of the problem instead of trying to smooth things over. Yeah. You know, you're not kind of like what you said. You're not managing the other person or managing the situation. You're really trying to have both people grow to an understanding and a solution. Yeah, yeah. Uh, One of the things that we're recommending for each of the types is a breath prayer. Now, whether you're going into conflict, you know that it's coming later in the day, whether you're in the middle of it right now and you're feeling the heat, or whether you're coming out of it and you're just, your head is reeling and you're trying to figure out where you are, in all of those situations, there's a need to be reminded of our identity and our relationship with God and who he is to us so that he can center us. So, Lindsay, what is our recommended breath prayer for type three? So I've been reading the spiritual rhythms of the Enneagram book, which includes author Claire Lowridge, and she suggests so many good breath prayers for each type. And the one that I love for the three is, as you inhale, I am made in God's image. And then as you exhale, but I am not an image. Mm, mm, That's good. That's good.
Well, uh, that is our teaching for Type 3 in conflict. Uh, We thought that it might be helpful to actually spend some time talking with a Type 3. Our guest today is Sharon McMahon, better known by her viral Instagram account, Sharon Says So. Sharon is a former high school government and law teacher who is now on a mission to educate the public about political misinformation with nonpartisan facts. She's been nicknamed America's government teacher, and on her popular Sharon Says So podcast, she delights with stories from all over the U.S. and talks about everything from government to politics to whales. Sharon lives in Duluth, Minnesota with her husband, her children, and her two dogs, and she is a three on the Enneagram. Welcome to the show, Sharon. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we are so glad to have you. Well, tell us a little bit about how you first encountered the Enneagram and, you know, what insights did you gain from it? You know, I can't pinpoint the precise moment I started hearing about it, but I'm pretty sure it was on a podcast where people were talking about how they had taken this test and it had really been transformative for them to be able to understand some of their own behaviors, their more deep-seated motivations, et cetera. So if I was going to guess, it would probably be a podcast and it piqued my curiosity and I bought a book and started reading more about it. And literally, one of the things I heard on, on a podcast was you know, when you figure out your own number, it will be like looking into a mirror. And in some cases, Mm -hmm. that mirror might be uncomfortable where you're like, I don't like that zit on my face. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But it was it was so obvious, literally from the second I started reading about three that it was like, look no further. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. is absolutely who I am. Yeah. Did it reveal anything like really fresh and new to you? Well, you know, one of the things that it, it it just highlighted for me was, you know, some of my own natural personality characteristics that I have always had that I can that I can identify since childhood. Um, it just brought those up in the sense of this is part of your personality, your tendency mm. towards being a workaholic, your tendency towards viewing yourself through the lens of your achievements. That has always been my, you know, underlying motivation, even, even at age five. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I love how the Enneagram can take what you already know about yourself, but raise certain things to the surface to where you see like, oh, there's a pattern. It's like all of a sudden you hear the narrator that's been narrating your life and you're like, oh, this is the character that I'm playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Sharon McMahon. We'll be right back. Hey, LTN listeners, it's Anna. Recently, we asked some of our alumni how serving with Love Thy Neighborhood has impacted them. Hey, this is Deshaun from New Orleans. Deshaun served with us for a summer, and his time with Love Thy Neighborhood challenged him to become more vulnerable relationally with the people around him, with his teammates, neighbors, and everyone else he came into contact with. And for me, that was really tough. It was really scary. But although it was scary, um, at the end of the day, it was worth it because it brings tremendous honor and glory to God. If you want a hands-on experience of missions in our modern times, come serve with Love Thy Neighborhood. We offer internships for young adults ages 18 to 30 through the areas of service, community, and discipleship. You'll grow in your faith and your life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Hey, welcome back to the Cast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. We're continuing our conversation with our special guest today, Sharon McMahon. Okay, so as you heard in this episode, we're talking about conflict. How do you personally feel when a conflict arises? Do you tend to fight or avoid or comply? Well, threes are not compliers, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, generally speaking. Uh, I, I usually make a choice between avoid and fight. It, mm. I use my logical brain to try to determine whether or not something is worth fighting about. Me fighting with you is not going to have any results whatsoever because, again, threes are very motivated by forward motion and getting results mm-hmm. uh, by making changes. And so if I perceive that no positive 
outcome will be had based on having a conflict with you. For example, arguing with strangers on the internet. Right, right. (laughs) Not a wise use of a threes time. Threes have Mm -hmm. things to actually accomplish. I would suggest that most people have things to actually accomplish, but threes have things that they want to be able to achieve and nothing is achieved from being like, well, I think you're extra stupid in the comments (laughs) of a news article. You know what I mean? That's not not changing anything. So to me, that is an absolute avoid. That is not going to better the situation whatsoever. So I absolutely avoid conflict like that, like a plague. But in terms of uh, interpersonal relationships, I would tend to tackle those kind of issues much more head on. I do not like it when people um, avoid addressing very real issues where they Mm -hmm. just pretend that those issues don't exist uh, Mm -hmm. for the sake of maintaining harmony. That's not how my brain is wired. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd rather deal with it and move forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Sharon, could you tell us about a time where you had a conflict and you saw yourself acting out of the more unhealthy side of your type, which is kind of that self-deceit? I mean, because I tend to be so wrapped up in my work, sometimes in the past, there have been times where a member of my team has been like, I don't, what do you want me to do here? Because I don't have time to do all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And my initial knee-jerk reaction is like, just work harder. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. do what I don't know. I could do it. My knee-jerk reaction is just get it done. Do it more. I could do it. You can too. Let's just like make things happen. Mm-hmm. And I've had to have, I've had team members who have come to me and been like, I don't, I can't get that done by Friday because I ha- here are all the things that I need to get done by Friday. So tell me which ones are your priorities. And in a threes mind, they're all priorities. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Get it all done. I don't, yep. I fail to see the issue. Just get it all done. Um, and see a, a strong three, like I am, enjoys getting it all done. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of satisfaction, tremendous sense of satisfaction from getting it all done. And it is perplexing when other people don't feel that same sense of, of satisfaction. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like my mother is a nine and she does not want to get it all done <laughs> no. ever. Getting it all done sounds like the worst. Yes. <laughs> That's the worst. I, how much, how can I do less? Because <laughs> I want to maintain my own peace, my own tranquility, my own mm-hmm. serenity. How can I do less? When is the rest time? Yes, in the that's schedule? right. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, my husband is an eight. And so Ooh. we are both oldest children. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Three and eight clash of the Titans. We could like charge our cell phones off your household. Yes. Like that's a lot of energy. (laughs) That is correct. And so what happens when you have clash of the Titans uh, and you disagree about what items should be accomplished? Yes. That in and of itself uh, is a source of conflict is I think this is important. Well, I don't. And then the one party always is trying to prod the other party into doing what they think is important to achieve and accomplish. Mm -hmm. Yes. You're both Mm -hmm. in that assertive triad. Yes. If you're not asserting towards the same direction, that could be a lot of tension. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, Additionally, my husband is a multiple time national debate champion. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And I am actually a pretty good debater. Like, I can hold my own. Absolutely. If if you said, give us a topic, like, argue about if this piece of paper is white, we could absolutely both make compelling <laughs> arguments for multiple hours about if it is white or if it not it is not white. Um, so it's, a, it's an area in which we are skilled. And sometimes yeah. being skilled produces its own conflicts. Right, <laughs> yes. right. That's your next podcast, McMahon versus McMahon. And it's That's just right. you all just like going toe to toe, you know. Yes. Some, some poor sucker introduces a topic and you all just go for it. That's right. So how do you all resolve it? So when you guys are in sort of, you know, those heightened conflicts, you're not seeing eye to eye, what have you found to be a fruitful way to approach it? Mm. It, it 100% of the time has to involve a break. Mm. There is no resolution to two angry bulls 
clashing their horns together. There's no resolution to that where one bull is like, you know what? You got me. I'll just go eat some grass. No, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is not how that conflict ends. It it has to end with people uh, removing themselves from the situation and coming back and talking about it at a later time. Yeah, that's that's what we've learned after a a long time. And sometimes one party does not want to take a break. Sometimes Mm -hmm. one party is really enjoying the sparring. But that's what we have found is the only possible solution. Because we're both so skilled at talking, we can and will just talk the other person to death. We have to have a period of not talking in order to come back and have a more productive conversation about something. Mm, that that is so good. Mm-hmm. It's ironic you said literally this week somebody told me that exact thing. Like you have got to learn when to tap out and give the other person space because mm-hmm. I will just keep going. Mm-hmm. And it and it makes it worse. It doesn't make it, it does better. It does make it worse. Because yes. all you do is you're like, well, I played this card and I didn't get what I needed. I guess I got to play a bigger card. Yep. And it just kind of escalates in mm-hmm. a way that's really destructive. It's not Bring helpful. Bring up something you did last week and the, yeah. last time, the last time you did that, you said these things. I did not say that. Well, yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's remember. Let's recall everything you said. Well, I didn't say that. And then it becomes you're arguing about things that have ab- absolutely no bearing on the current issue at hand. You're exactly. arguing about what the text of the conversation was uh, three months ago is not it, helpful. That's exactly right. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Can you tell us some about a conflict you had where you saw yourself acting out of the healthy side of your type, which would be centered around truthfulness, being honest with yourself, being honest with the other person? You know, what was different about that approach to conflict compared to how you'd previously approached it? Mm. Well, I think sometimes telling yourself the truth, it's not just about like, well, before I was lying and now I'm telling the truth. I don't have a lot of experience in my uh, relationship with outright lies and deceit. My mm-hmm. husband and I are, are very honest with each other, sometimes too honest, like the way your pajamas hang on the edge of the bed when you get dressed in the morning. Like, I don't like how the one leg falls down and touches <laughs> mm-hmm. the floor. You know, like sometimes we have too much honesty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it, we, need, we need to hold that a little closer to the vest. So what I'm thinking about honesty, I'm talking about um, being honest with yourself with what will actually resolve this conflict mm-hmm. and being honest with yourself about the idea that you are not going to let this go uh, and you need to take a break in order yeah. to be able to come back and have a productive conversation. So it also includes being honest about when you maybe have said something that was not uh, helpful, not constructive. Like, yeah, I did not need to bring up what you what you said six months ago. I'm going to be honest about the fact that I brought that up in an effort to try to win. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and not because it actually pertained to this conversation at hand. Uh, so in my relationship, that tends to be where the honesty comes in is being honest about how this conflict will be resolved based on what you know about yourself and being honest about uh, how maybe you contributed to the conflict. Mm, that's good. Okay, so you uh, have made the wild decision to go into some of the most controversial waters of our country, which is (laughs) dealing with like political issues. I mean, issues that are really like we are at our worst, you Mm -hmm. know, on these topics. A lot of what you do is you're literally going into the heart of conflict. You're bringing up topics and issues that are highly controversial. Um, How are you? How are you dealing with the amount of you know, negative feedback you're getting, accusations you're getting, the conflict that you're wading into. Like, how are you, how do you cope with that Mm. uh, in a way that is helpful and beneficial to your audience? Mm. Well, this is another way that being a three makes me uniquely qualified for this job in that threes have a sometimes useful and sometimes unhealthy ability to compartmentalize their feelings. Right. And so being able to compartmentalize my feelings is actually very useful in this scenario because I do not actually need to get emotionally attached to achieving uh, an outcome of you agreeing with me. If Mm -hmm. I decide that like the goal here is to provide education so that people can make 
educated decisions. It's hard to make an educated decision if you have no education on a topic. So if my stated goal, because again, I like goals, if my stated Mm -hmm. goal is providing education so that the American public can make educated decisions and not make decisions based on rumor, misinformation, um, things that are just patently false, then I do not need to get emotionally attached to having an outcome of you reaching a certain conclusion. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was born with this in uh, trait. Maybe I have honed it over the years. It's probably a combination of both that I don't need to get significantly emotionally worked up when people disagree with me on the internet. Yeah. And not everybody can do that. Other people are much have much better skills in other areas that I don't have. So this is not me holding myself up as like, I've got it all figured out because I don't. But um, it is one way that I am able to continue on the daily to do the work I do is that I do not feel compelled even to wade into unproductive conflict with people. It's not a compulsion. If I am having a particularly, what I call a rough day on the internet, where people are Mm -hmm. sending me death threats, sometimes those days are definitely harder than others. Sometimes those days are like, oh no, it's the death threats again. That Mm. is not good. And let me tell you where the death threats come from. Are you curious? Are you curious where the death threats come from? Yeah. Almost exclusively from Christian women. Mm. Oh my word. Almost exclusively from women with Bible verses in their profiles. And little children at a pumpkin patch in their in their feet. Oh. Isn't that perplexing? It is. It's it's uh, disturbing. That is disturbing. I have pondered that for a while. Also, yeah. it could be, and this is something that I have no way of knowing. It could be that those are um, profiles that have been cultivated for years by, say, people who are posing. Right. As a Christian right. woman. Yeah. So that is entirely possible that it's, you know, a, a fake identity of some kind. But what's interesting to me is that that is almost universally the experience of other people that I know who get a lot of hate on the internet. It is almost universally Christian women who are uh, sending these kinds of messages to people. So, anyway, all that to say, when I'm having a bad day on the internet where I'm getting a lot of death threats, um, I have to make a concerted effort to unplug from that and to just tell myself it is not healthy for you to be reading all of these messages right now. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I will even uh, give my phone to my husband or I will put my phone in another room in a drawer so that I have to physically have distance from it. I will turn off my notifications. Um, Sometimes that physical distance is required to be able to not feel that sort of magnetic pull to be you know, when you get a horrifying message, mm-hmm. you're, it makes you, your natural inclination is to be like, what? Um, so disentangling yourself from that human desire to see, to like continue to watch the car wreck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about this, what you were saying earlier, uh, just about the uh, the profiles. I don't remember who said it, but you know, you've made God in your own image when he hates all the same people you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All these people that are like, oh yeah, I can hate you. God's on my side. And it's mm-hmm. such an abuse mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. truth. Yeah. I just wanted to say that really like gave me chill bumps in the worst possible way, because as a Christian woman, your account has blessed me so tremendously because- it's given me some hope that I had lost even, you know, within the Christian community of just like the world is horrible. Everybody is mm-hmm. horrible. And seeing you help just random people, seeing lots of people jump in and like send five dollars on mm-hmm. Venmo, you know, mm-hmm. and really impact somebody's world is the world I want to live in. And mm-hmm. so but I just want to say as a Christian woman, it's, thank you. Yes. Thank you. OK, we're heading heading back. We're yes. heading back. Yes. OK. OK. So in the midst of conflict, what's one thing that you wish everyone else could know about you or your type? Mm, that is a good question. Uh, I very much want to look for actual, real-life, tangible solutions to things to be able to move forward. Mm. That I am not interested in rehashing the same thing 50 times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, what is the answer to the problem? Let's come up with an answer and let's implement it. Let's Mm -hmm. implement it yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) 
um, so that we can move forward. So that is, to me, having a, a, you know, some kind of collaboration where we can come up with a solution together that we then mutually implement is important to me in conflict. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, it's time for us to have a little fun together, laugh a little bit. Uh, So stay with us because when we come back, we will be playing What's Your Number with Sharon McMahon. Here at LTN, we believe that in order to be loved, you must be known. And part of being known means understanding who you are, which is why we created Mapping Your Enneagram Story. Mapping Your Enneagram Story is a workbook to help you map your life story and understand who you are. Using the lens of the Enneagram, you'll explore how the story you've lived has made you into who you are and why Jesus is the key to living a better story. To get your own copy of Mapping Your Enneagram Story, just go to lovethatneighborhood.org and click the store link at the top of the menu. There, you'll find Mapping Your Enneagram Story plus all our other Enneagram content. And all proceeds go directly to support Love Thy Neighborhood. So go to lovethyneighborhood.org and click store. Mapping your Enneagram story. Find the clarity you need to have meaningful, long-lasting relationships. Welcome back to the Enneacast, Jesse Eubanks. Lindsay Lewis. And now it's time for What's Your Number? Okay, our game today is called What's Your Number? Here's how you play. Okay, Sharon, I'm going to read you a card, and then you're going to rank what is on that card from 1 to 10. 1 meaning that you absolutely despise it. 10 meaning that you love it. Okay. Keep the number to yourself. Okay. Once you have your number, Lindsay and I are each going to try to guess what we think you've ranked this thing. We'll take turns saying our guesses out loud. Mm-hmm. We can't pick the same number. Okay. After we've each taken a guess, you will then reveal what number you chose, and whoever guessed the closest gets a point. Best out of five wins. Are you both ready to play? I'm going to write down my numbers so that I am being truthful. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Honesty. Honesty. Yes. Okay, here we go. Round number one, on a scale of one to ten, one meaning you hate it, ten meaning you love it, self Checkouts, self checkouts. Okay, I've got my number. You've got. Your I've got number. my guess. You know. Um, see, here's the debate going on in my head. There's so many factors, right? Yeah. Does she have less than 15 items? I feel is like there you're a doing long, table talk right is now. Is there a long line? Are you at trying the to checkout? persuade her subconsciously? No, I, no. She's probably already written down her number. I I'm wrote just, it down. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I'm just okay. thinking aloud. All right. Okay, I'm ready. All Lindsay, right. go. Nine. So you think she's she about it. She loves it. It's so efficient. I I was going to say seven because I think she likes it unless she has too many things. And then mm. and then it's not so good anymore. Mm. Okay. So you said nine. I said seven. Sharon, what is your number? Two. Whoa. I hate <laughs> I hate them because they are much less efficient. They're much less efficient. First of all, they always break because the person who is using them (laughs) is not an expert at using the checkout. They don't know how to be like override 476392433 beep. Do you know what I mean? They don't know how to do that. They have to turn on the light and somebody has to come over. Please place your items in the bagging center. And inevitably, I can't just like be on my phone returning a text while somebody else is beeping me out. You know what I mean? I I'm responsible for all of this, and it breaks. I feel I hate it. I I avoid self checkout like the plague. Oh, uh, well, I'm going to lose for such a strong, passionate feeling about it. That, <laughs> man, we just we just experienced like debate, Sharon. Like yes. you know, I'm imagining your husband, and I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, like that's a TV show right there. Yes, that's good. <laughs> Uh, okay, so round number one, even though I was off by a long shot, I still get a point. Get a point. Uh, okay, round number two, speed dating. Oh, speed gosh. dating. So if you were single these days and you had to speed date, oh. do we think that she would like it or not? I mean, in one way, it's very efficient. Yeah. Goodbye. Right. <laughs> not you. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Next. Nope. nope. Next. But now I've, I've lost all of my... 
All your confidence uh, is gone confidence. from round one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go with a four. You're going to go with a four? Yeah. I was actually going to go with a four. Oh, good. So I'm going to go, I'm going to split the difference. I'll go five. Okay. Okay. So you said four. I said five. Sharon, speed dating, what's your number? I wrote down six. (gasps) You get another point. Um, I I, I can't say that I would love it, but I can see how it would quickly weed out (laughs) the people living in their parents' basement playing (laughs) Call of Duty for a living. Uh-huh. Yes. You know, uh-huh. it would, I'd be able to be like, next. Uh-huh. Not okay, so we had that right. <laughs> next. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what's nice too? It's you could do it and it's socially acceptable to do it. Yes. Because that's correct. literally the the context. It's like, oh, I'm that's just right. I'm just doing the social etiquette. That's We're right. We're moving on here. Okay, so round two, another point to me. Uh okay, round three, only leaving the house wearing hard pants. <laughs> Only One. leaving the house. I'm, wearing, put, I'm putting mine out there before you can say it. Uh, like, I think that we're saying essentially like she can't leave the house. She will never. Unless she's wearing hard pants. Like, that's it. She's in the house. Yes. But if she has to, okay. If she has to leave, she has to wear hard pants. Oh, man. Uh, you said, what did you say? You said one. one. <laughs> uh, um, I, I'm going to go, th- I'm going to go three. I'm going to go three on this one. Uh, okay. You said one. I said three. Sharon, what's your number? I wrote down one. Yes. I got one. <laughs> I have not worn hard pants in two years. That's amazing. So I don't intend to start again. There is no reason for a waistband to dig into my middle section. Um, who, what, who am I trying to impress? Yeah. You're just being truthful. That's right. Like, if you don't like my leggings, then I can't help you. And we're not friends. So That's great. there's just no point. That's good. No point. That's good. Okay. Round four, movie marathons. Hmm. Movie marathons. So we're saying... In a single day, watching multiple movies. In a single day, watching multiple movies. Lindsay. I'm going to go back to four. You're going to go four? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go three. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. She I said don't. she hates wasting time. She doesn't like the only nine. The only exception I could see, and I could be wrong, I might be stereotyping here, is if it's like, like, a, Ken's, like a Ken Burns documentary or something. <laughs> yes. You know, I could see her being like, I'm cool with that. Let's let's do this thing. I was picturing she might enjoy it if it's like she has a lot of ironing or something to do. It's like I'm being very efficient while I watch. Can I walk on the treadmill and watch at the same time? Mm, yes. Uh, okay. okay. So you what did you say? You said four. Four. And what did I, what you did said I say? three. I said three. Okay. Sharon, what's your number? I wrote down four. <gasps> yes. Four. Um, here's my reason. Is first of all, I I am incapable of watching television while well doing nothing i cannot sit there and do Uh, nothing i must be working on something else and usually in the winter time what that other thing is is knitting i work on a knitting project while i'm watching tv Mm -hmm. but the other thing is that who even watches movies anymore (laughs) who is watching movies while everybody is just streaming series yes okay much to my dismay Lindsay, you and i are now Tied. <laughs> I don't like that. I had the lead. You did. And then you came from behind. I'm not I came liking from behind. this. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Round five. Not voicing your opinion in a large group. Not voicing your opinion in a large group. So, like, do I like it? it? Yeah, we could say, it. let's say, it. I'll say it the other way. Keeping silent even when you have a strong opinion because you're in a large group. Mm, okay. Do you think she is fine with that? She loves it? No big deal? Or does she... Hate it, hmm. Lindsay Lewis. Hmm. I think she's well balanced enough to be okay with mm-hmm. not voicing her opinion, small or large group. So I'm gonna go with four again. Four is my my safe place in this game. Mm-hmm. You said four. I'm gonna say five. I do think. I think it's like a. She can go either way. It kind of depends on like, is, is the room full of idiots? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, you know, are they all like just, it's a, it's a lot of crazy town in the room and it's yeah. like, or is there like a warm generosity and they're just misinformed? Yeah. Like, I just think, yeah. So I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to go five. Sharon, what mm. is your number? I wrote down nine. <gasps> oh. I love not giving people my opinion. Really? <laughs> How is that possible? Yes. 
Yes. Um, I recently attended a conference that was like invitation only, some of the smartest people you've ever met. And I was literally the poorest and dumbest person there. And (laughs) I basically said almost nothing the entire conference because I was just absorbing all of this information. A lot of what, you know, like I'd never heard before, or they had ideas that I was like, I've never thought of such a thing. I'll listen very attentively, um, follow the conversation because I really enjoy learning. Learning is a very uh, strong emotional motivator for me. Mm. Um, and so to me, when I'm talking, I am not learning. And so uh, I would almost rather not insert my opinion and just listen to what other people are saying and learn from it. Um, again, it speaks to this idea, this this waiting, this waiting of is something, if I insert my opinion, is it going to have any effect? Is it going to change anything? Is it going to produce any forward motion? Whereas if I sit and absorb all this information, then I can take that, synthesize it, ruminate on it, and use that information for something useful in the future. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That is good. That's mm. good. And I'd imagine, too, it's got to be nice just to be like, you know what? I'm not the expert on everything. I'm just totally. going to sit here and learn. Mm. You know, like I have absolutely zero idea how we would build a, a vehicle that goes to the moon. I've, I got <laughs> nothing. You know, and people I feel like should have the humility to be like, that is not my area of expertise. And I do not know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. You win. You win. I'm so happy for you again. <laughs> That feels forced. It is. (laughs) Okay, and now it's time for five final questions. Okay, Sharon, who are two people you currently admire? Oh, goodness. Do they have to be alive or can they be dead? They can be dead. They can be dead. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Abraham Lincoln and John Adams. John Adams is always a surprising choice because he was not well-liked during his presidency. But one of the things I have always admired about him is his steadfast commitment to speaking out against the horrors of slavery. Mm. Even when it was very economically advantageous, even when other people thought he was stupid for it, he always was principled in that Mm. regard. Mm-hmm. And Abraham Lincoln, again, similar reason in that he was so hated in his own time that half the country was willing to literally die mm. because of how much they hated some of his actions. Now, did half of them actually die? No, but half the country wanted to secede. They were willing to fight an actual war over it, risk their own lives. And of course, death was not the only negative outcome of fighting the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, we we tend to hold Abraham Lincoln up as this hero, which he is, um, this very principled, steadfast, true American, again, which he is, but we fail to recognize the amount of hate that he received in his own lifetime uh, and how he continued to stand up for what was right, even when half the country literally wanted him dead. And in fact, they did kill him for it. Mm-hmm. So to me, that courage to stand up for what is right is something to be admired. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Uh, question two, how do you like to waste time? <laughs> um, TikTok, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I love TikTok. Do you ever get on and do dances or anything? I was no. just wondering that. I need no. to see some Sharon dances. No, I have no dance. I don't do any dancing. Um, I have a very small TikTok account. I have not devoted much time to it yet, but I will. Um, but I will tell you that, first of all, TikTok is an algorithm. So if all you're seeing when you go on TikTok is dancing, that says everything about you, right? Mm, <laughs> mm, mm. So uh, you have not given TikTok enough time to learn what you want to see. Um, mm. I don't see any celebrities. I see almost no dancing. I see almost exclusively extremely fascinating educational videos. Mm. Uh, And many of them are things that I didn't even realize I wanted to learn. And I'm like, but that (laughs) is sheep shearing? That is interesting. (laughs) They're little one-minute educational videos, which again, speaks to everything that I love about the world, like learning new things in an efficient manner, et cetera. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's, That's great. amazing. That's great. I love that. Okay. What is on your nightstand right now? Mm. Um, a candle, a lamp, a book, and a glass of water. I cannot go to bed without a glass of water. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like, but what if I die of dehydration during the night? <laughs> I need to guard against the perils of dehydration. Yes. Question four, what is an important lesson that you have learned from failing? Mm, that failing is an incredible learning opportunity. And the, if you want to be successful, the way to be successful is to fail faster. Mm. Because there's no choice not to fail. You will fail. Um, and the faster you fail, the more quickly you can learn those lessons. Good. Yeah. Okay, number five. What would you like to hear God say to you when you die? Mm. I mean, doesn't everybody want to hear well done? Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for your time today, yes. for, for talking with us, for letting us behind the curtain on who you are and how you are dealing with all the conflict that you have voluntarily walked straight into. <laughs> We've just so enjoyed and appreciated our time with you. Yes. Thanks for having me. If you benefited at all from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover our show. Special thanks to our guest today, Sharon McMahon. Listen, go check out Sharon's website. She's got podcasts, workshops, and of course her popular Instagram account. Several folks on our staff follow her almost daily and really just love the work that she's doing. So if you want to learn nonpartisan facts about everything going on in America, and if you just want to explore all the random threads that Sharon tends to pull through all of her work, you can find everything by going to SharonMcMahon.com. Her last name is spelled M-C-M-A-H-O-N. That's SharonMcMahon.com. Also, a special thanks to Crosspoint Ministry, who helped train us in the Enneagram. You can check them out at CrosspointMinistry.com. This show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. We provide internships focused on service, community, and discipleship for young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve for a summer or a year. Grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. This episode was written by Lindsay Lewis and myself. Rachel Zabo is our media director and producer. Anna Tran is our audio engineer. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. Community.